You've all heard the saying, there is no I in team. Well, that's partly correct. But we each bring a unique perspective and experience when working as a team. So it can be viewed as a collective group of eyes that work together to build a team of success. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right, with host Dr. Cass Henry. In today's program, we'll uncover the tools of team success in order to achieve winning results. Now, here is Dr. Cass Henry. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. I'm Dr. Cass Henry, and I am very excited about our move to Mondays for the fall season. This will help us kick off each week's conversation on getting things just right with the lead time to act on what empowers each of our lives over the course of the week. Remember, this is our shared journey and what matters to you is important to me and the show. Here is what I need for you to do. Email me at drcasshenry at hotmail.com. That is D-R-K-A-S. H-E-N-R-Y at hotmail.com to share your thoughts and pose your questions. I will start airing your thoughts and addressing your questions during the show in the future. Be sure to include your name and the city you live in so that I can personally thank you on the air when your thoughts and questions are shared. Our fall season starts with the first four weeks dedicated to first responders, public safety professionals, and the families of 9-11. We will never forget the contributions of all these individuals who have impacted the lives of so many of us. This is also a month of call to action for us to act as one nation, embracing life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness as we work together to continually make perfect our imperfect union. Let's make sure our humanity counts and our differences of opinions make us stronger and vibrant as opposed to fragile and volatile. We owe it to ourselves and those who have made the ultimate sacrifice to make our actions and words count. During this tumultuous time when emotions and actions are not always thought through, at a time when our civility and faith in civil society are being tested, It is the perfect time to understand what public safety stewardship is and how it could be best achieved. We know without a shred of doubt that our public safety is the very essence of our lives and it cannot be achieved without the partnership of citizens and public safety professionals. This therefore is our shared reality, like it or not, We have to find a way to make it work. In this episode titled, Fox Guarding the Hen House, Public Safety Stewardship, Kevin Brem, Executive Director of International Public Safety Leadership Ethics Institute and board member of Ipsley, Joe Shum, join me to explore our journey ahead. Kevin, welcome to the episode, Fox Guarding the Hen House, Public Safety Stewardship, and we will be having Joe join us shortly. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you, Dr. Henry. I really appreciate that. It is the perfect time to have you on the show, Kevin, to talk about what brought you into the world of public safety. You have taken a long trajectory. You've been in various different agencies within the public safety arena. And I would like for you to take a moment and walk us through what made you enlist for these professional journeys and what have you learned from that and how you bring that to bear in your day-to-day role today. You're correct, uh, Kaz, in that it it was a, a long journey. Uh, mm-hmm. Now that I sit uh, past my 40th year in public safety, um, it started back um, a long time ago, obviously just uh, short out of high school and joining the military. And at that time, mm-hmm. having an opportunity to select a job within the military, and I chose to, to join the military police corps. Um, mm-hmm. it, just, it felt right. Um, I had always had somewhat of an inkling, a liking to the concept of uh, serving others. Post post that, um, when I got out of the military, that drive mm-hmm. was still filled very strong within me. So 
so from within that, I, I moved into trying to find a job. So um, I, I hear how you got started in the uh, calling to serve in the public safety arena. Yes. Because um, it goes back to when I first got out of out of high school um, and looking for what I was going to do, and my uh, plans to go on to college didn't quite work out at that particular time, so I joined the military. And in doing so, I specifically uh, enlisted to become a military police officer. So I spent three years in the in that time frame uh, in the military uh, police corps. Serving, serving the, the folks of the military at that particular point in time. And I also uh, took that as an opportunity to go through a crisis counseling uh, program where I was part of a, an emergency response team for crisis counseling. And then uh, upon the end of my uh, enlistment, I still desired and had that strong feeling for a public safety life. And so then I began to pursue either police officer's position or um, into the fire service. As it stands, I ended up joining the fire service and began my, my career in the fire service. I did 37 years of active service uh, within the fire uh, fire services of Southern California. Primarily in the last seven years of it was in the uh, Nevada in the area of uh, North Las Vegas. And in that time frame, I also pursued uh, my education. And in addition to that, I had the privilege to being selected to attend paramedic school. So I spent 10 years as a firefighter paramedic, um, as well as going up through the ranks in the fire service. And then ultimately, at the conclusion of, of my career, I've continued to pursue a life in the public safety uh, arena, primarily through my involvement with uh, IPSLE, the International Public Safety Leadership and Ethics Institute. Mm-hmm. So looks like just like for most people today, in the olden days too, I mean, 40 years ago is not where we are today, right? Life has changed. The world has changed. But it, joining the public safety was a calling, right? Just like becoming a priest, becoming a teacher. Most people who joined the profession then and people who continue to join the profession now are answering that in a calling because they want to serve. But somehow, for some people along the way, that is not the case. What do you think is causing that difference? And the reason I ask this is we are seeing more and more of uh, a handful of professionals, not everybody, emerging to take the position that whether it's in public safety or in citizen life, so to speak, that I have the right to do this, so I'm going to do it. Consequences be damned as opposed to... Um, what is the right thing to do because consequences are for everybody. And I think that is where the differences in the value proposition of what Ipsley can do, I think is going to come into play to build that right ethical mindset and start building that public trust for all parties to come together to work cohesively. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, Kevin? Sure, Cass. Um, I I think you're, you're highly on the mark there. One of the reasons that we see, I'll call it a, a, a mismatch, individuals mm-hmm. who come into the public safety professions without the right mindset is oftentimes it's it's a, an issue internally where they struggle to have power or they look at it from a greed perspective in, in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, public safety professions are, are sought after for a variety of reasons. And oftentimes, not often I should say, but uh, some folks go into it simply because they think it's a secure job for the rest of their life and mm-hmm. and they'll be just happy as can be and, and so forth. The reality comes into play, though, I think after a period of time, if they're on the job and they stay on the job, all of a sudden they realize that public safety professionals, whether they're in corrections or law or fire, are dealing with humanity. They're dealing with the issues of humanity, and it takes a different mindset. Ipsley's role in that process, if you would, is we are focusing on on several different parameters, but to date, the majority of our folks have been those individuals who who are mid-career. And all of a sudden, we come in and we're getting them to start to focus on the the deeper meaning of their jobs, the deeper meaning Mm -hmm. of why they're doing the jobs. And I think that we start to have some resolution in their mindsets that it's not about power, it's not about greed, it truly is about serving humanity. And that we find after times when you start talking to these folks, they do it because they get gratification from serving others. Um, and oftentimes I, I flash back to a conference I was at in Seattle a number of mm-hmm. years ago. And a, and a very profound national leader in fire EMS, uh, James O'Page, 
sadly mm-hmm. we lost him a number of years ago. Uh, and he asked the people in the audience a question, and he simply said, how many of you here would continue to find a way to do what you do, even if you weren't getting paid? And clearly, as he looked around the room and, and hands rose up, uh, clearly uh, 90% of this very large auditorium raised their hands and said they would still find a way to do it, mm-hmm. uh, absent of a paycheck, which tells mm-hmm. us then that there's an, inner, there's an inner drive, there's something within that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than a paycheck and rather than a power trip. Yes, and that is the majority of the case. But unfortunately, what happens is the all it takes is a few bad apples to make <clears throat> the entire apple pie taste rotten, right? So oh. what I mm-hmm. keep hearing from folks when I talk about this issue, as you know, I teach this profession. You and I have been engaged as part of Ipsley. So I am knee-deep with this profession on an educator side of things. Mm-hmm. And... From a citizen conversation, community perspective also, I hear things. And what I continually hear is public safety professionals are not here to protect the public and they only serve a segment of the public is the general perception of the people who are being served. And should not all the people who are paying the taxes be expected to get equal protection because they are contributing to these people's salaries. And then people continue to go on to talk about if this were a private corporation, the market forces alone, if we're investors, we'll put these businesses out of business. But because this is a government-funded service, we don't have a mechanism to deal with this other than protest. And not everybody's voice has a equal chance of being heard. And then the cycle continues, right? So how do we, in a arena where government is self-governed and where ethics and morality and stewardship has to come from inside, how do we bring about the change we so desperately need to see? Even though if it's only 5 or 10% of the people in the profession, that is too much, right? Well, I would agree with you, and I think the emphasis needs to put is when you look across the spectrum of folks in in this country and elsewhere in other countries where I have traveled who Mm -hmm. dedicate their lives to public safety, the amount of the bad apples is, is minimal. However, I would agree with you that even minimal is not acceptable when people trust their lives. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to these individuals who wear a uniform and who have sworn an oath to, to protect them. So even the slightest variation from that, deviation from that, is not mm-hmm. acceptable. But at the same time, you know, it needs to be put back that every day there are, uh, across the globe, there are millions of individuals who, who truly do put their lives on the line to protect the communities yes. and try to do the best they possibly can. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the, the point of the dialogue is the issue, uh, not the point of the dialogue. The problem is, is the point is dialogue. We need to have dialogue amongst our communities. We need to have genuine dialogue amongst our communities with their public safety professionals. It can't just be that which the media drives. It can't be just that of which the loudest voice is heard. The That's smallest, a perfect segue for us, Kevin. Hold that thought. We're going to... We're going to come back from the break and pick that conversation right where you left. Hold that thought. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's CassHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. 
That's KASHenry.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks. How to get it just right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to drcasshenry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the show. Kevin, we, you were just talking about the importance of dialogue, and let's, let's make sure you finish that thought, because that was a wonderful point you were making. The, the idea, Kaz, is, is, is simply that one of the things that I find from the public safety side of the fence is mm-hmm. we have an absence of dialogue within our communities. And that's not only amongst the community itself, but it's amongst the public safety entities within the community, and more mm-hmm. importantly, between the public safety entities and the community itself. Uh, and individuals need to take a, a real genuine interest in wanting to not scream and shout, not point fingers, but mm-hmm. dialogue, to have a, have a, a, a warm, heartfelt conversation uh, about the issues that we all face, the trials and tribulations and the challenges mm-hmm. um, in today's world. Mm-hmm. And that is a wonderful point, because just like in a household or in an organization of any type, people understanding one another and communicating and building the kind of culture that's going to create win-win partnerships is necessary and we seem to have forgotten that in the public safety arena when it comes to the professionals and the citizens and the collaborative. That is an excellent point and Joe, welcome to the show. I know you were out at an incident and trying to do what you needed to do to put some fires out but welcome welcome and joining our show. Thank you. Thanks, Jess. So do you want to take a quick moment and share with the listeners your journey of why you became a firefighter and what do you get out of doing what you do? Oh, boy, why did I become a fireman? You know, I we have this conversation uh, daily at the, at the firehouse, you know, and, and, and uh, talking about culture and, and going off of what, what Kevin said with, you know, having that dialogue so that we're we're working together to solve problems and gaining perspectives and and understanding where each other's coming from. Um, that's, you know, really why I got into the fire service is, is to help people. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. first, you know, I was a young kid, wanted to have some fun, but, um, as, as time has progressed through my career and, and getting involved with, with Ipsley, um, and understanding that, um, uh, it's great. It's about being you know nice to others and, and about, uh, talking through problems and, uh, and solving issues that arise, and and in all reality, what drives me now is uh, the idea of making it better for the public and giving them the best service that we can provide, and uh, making it sustainable for the long run in the future. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that, Joe. So it's not too long ago we went through September 11th, and there were so many public safety professionals who gave their lives to save the public, people who will never see them, people who will never know who they were. And some of the professionals are still suffering health consequences as a result of running in and trying to save as many lives as possible. And we live in an age where memories are very, very short-lived. And we've moved on from those memories to now what's front and center dominating everybody's minds is things like Sheriff Arpaio and St. Louis and Baltimore and Chicago. And we lose sight of all the 90, 95% of the good that is being done. And we start focusing on the negative. But once again, just like you don't want a pilot who might crash a plane flying, you can't have public safety professionals who would compromise the stewardship they're interested, right? The safety of the people they serve. How can Ipsley 
help organizations identify who are the right people for the right jobs and at what point in time even the right people can change in their psychological makeup and is there an intervention that can happen? Kaz, that's a, that's a, that's a, <clears throat> that's a great question. It's a very broad and complex question as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Ipsy's, Ipsy's desire here is to increase the, the excellence of the exercise of leadership within those who serve the public safety. Mm-hmm. And by, by saying those who serve the public safety is because there's a tremendous number of folks who, who do, in fact, serve the public safety, and they, and they wish to do so in the right manner. One of the things that um, Ipsy is very proud of at this point in time is we recently developed a new curriculum specifically to be put into recruit academies. This is when those young individuals are first coming onto the jobs, be it firefighters, EMS, police officers, correctional officers, when they first come in. And that's to introduce them right off the get-go to the entire concept that, uh, that Ipsy believes in, and that is all leadership starts with self-leadership and all ethics starts with self-ethics. And so if we can introduce the idea at the beginning of an individual's career, we then have the opportunity to build that mindset throughout. But more importantly, we would hope that through Ipsy's influence at the upper levels of an organization, they would recognize the value of their recruitment processes and to seek those individuals out and and design recruitment processes that seek individuals that share the values of the community and share the values of public safety. And that is, that is so important, yes. Mm-hmm. And how is that playing out? How are people uh, embracing those ideas and curriculum that you're putting out there? I mean, it's a valuable service Ipsley is providing because nobody else is serving that space, right? And how is it being accepted? Um, it, as with anything in <laughs> So many things in life, uh, it's mm-hmm. hard to make change occur, yes. but we're slowly mm-hmm. taking a little bit of bite of the apple, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. We have on our Public Safety Academy course, for which Joe was one of the principal developers of, we, we've had some pretty big success with that. Uh, a good example is Los Angeles City Fire Department um, has adopted our program, and to date they've put over 300 recruits through that, that one-week program. Uh, city of Sacramento has done the same thing. The city of uh, uh, Eastvale in Washington has done the same thing. The Sacramento, uh, Cal State Sacramento Paramedic Academy has done that because they recognize the value of enlightening people at the very beginning to say, this isn't about um, the glory, if you will, and the honor of, of having the badge. It's about serving people correctly. And the first person you have to learn to serve is your own ethics. And you have mm-hmm. to learn to serve your own leadership. And from there, from there, we grow it and, and hope individuals, you know, will will take that step forward. We're attempting to do, if you would, a very a very broad cultural change within the public safety industry mm-hmm. by bringing back a focus to say you can't wait until an individual accepts a promotion to start teaching them about and introducing them to the concepts of leadership and, mm-hmm. and ethical leadership. Yes. So we're we're mm-hmm. trying it at the at the ground ground level. Mm-hmm. Yes, Joe, yeah, you were going to say something. To piggyback on, on what Kevin, Kevin is saying, you know, it's never too early to introduce the, the idea of, of leadership and getting to understand what leadership is all about. Um, you know, it, it's a very complex, um, you know, idea. It's a, it, it, the construct of leadership is, is hard to wrap your brains around and your hands around if, if you don't spend some time uh, examining yourself uh, learning from others and learning, you know, what is out there uh, as far as research that supports different different styles of leadership and what it takes to be effective uh, ethically, mm-hmm. um, morally, all of those things. But it's also not ever too late um, to have that conversation. Uh, and that is something that we're seeing where folks that, that do partake in the Ipsley program, the full program, they they say that you know it changes changes their lives not just at work but at home, and mm-hmm. and you know we believe that if we can reach out and touch the individual, then that then in turn builds and reaches out and touches the organization, and does does wonders for the community. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you say that, Joe, because ultimately leadership is not a title. It is a way of life and it is the DNA of the character of a person. And Correct. to quote 
philosophers, a good leader is about ennobling themselves and others and meaning bringing the noble qualities inside each of us and others. And if you're not a good leader, you're not going to be a good follower. And a lot of organizations, whether it's governmental or private sector, all wait to look at leadership until people have gotten to management roles. It's a little too late by then because people forget each of our names are like a brand and our character and what we embody already conjures up emotions in other people. And if people already don't trust me when I'm promoted, they're not going to trust me anymore. Right? They're not going to trust me any less either. Whatever is said is already said. And the earlier we start and groom, the better it is. And to your point, Joe, and to your point, Kevin, it also will help shape our lives at home because then we can raise children who are groomed to be leaders because they have to lead their own lives and their families and make good choices. So I'm so, so heartened to hear you say that. Kaz, I think I think Joe enlightened it a bit, and you and you've brought it uh, around. I think the the full circle. One of the things that we we felt from the very beginning in developing the program was the concept that if we can if we can help you um, gain insights to your own personal leadership, and that you turn around and you apply those insights to that outside the department. In other words, that which is your personal life and your family life. If we can give you skills to make you do those things better, mm-hmm. then I win. If, I, if I'm the chief of a public safety department and I've taken the time and provided you with skill sets that you can now communicate more effectively, you can assess situations, human dynamic situations more effectively, etc., then when you walk back into my firehouse, my police station, my prison, whatever you're working, then I win. And mm-hmm. so we, we emphasize strongly to folks at the very first part of our program is that, you know, folks, if you don't do anything else, if you become a better dad, a better mom, a better member of your church, a better member, you know, coaching your kid's soccer team or softball team or whatever you're engaged with, if we can make you better at that, we mm-hmm. can't help but win. Yes, definitely. And so let me take a step back. We started with how education and public safety are callings of a similar kind. I think part of it is where education has evolved has an impact on where public safety has evolved. Education has been so focused on IQ and testing. We have left the emotional quotient EQ off the table. And without EQ, there is no self-awareness, there is no social awareness, there is no social interaction in a successful manner, and there is no opportunity to look at every person as a whole person who has a heart, mind, body, and a soul. Everything becomes transactional, and everything is about how well my brain works and how great my ideas are without looking at the human consequences. So how is Ipsley program bringing through the philosophical approach, the EQ component. Can you just elaborate a little bit? Because I think the listeners will benefit from it and it'll be good for everybody to understand the synthesis of EQ into the program. Well, wow, that's a that's that's a a great segue, um, Kaz. Uh, several things come into play. The, the the concept of of an you know an emotional awareness or emotional intelligence has really been at the at the foundation of the IFSI program from the very beginning, and that was the idea of getting people to explore things from different perspectives so that that way they explore themselves. How do mm-hmm. I feel about this or see this, etc. And that and that's a you know that personal awareness is so incredibly uh, uh, critical. And that falls into the concept of the whole. Um, mm-hmm. Ipsley starts off, the whole first course is all about the individual themselves. In fact, we even tell them, forget your department. We don't care about the department. Let's look at you. Mm-hmm. And then from there, let's take the next step forward. And that's to say, let's talk about you and a couple of other folks. And then we begin, we begin to grow that up, up to the point where then we really focus on organizational leadership and, and so mm-hmm. forth. And to go to the idea of transactional as an example uh, versus the transformation of individuals, mm-hmm. and you're right, so many things today are, are transactional in nature, where we are after the transformation part of things. 
Um, and, and one of the things we use, it's, it's a buzzword within the public safety world, is the concept of interoperability. And for, for a long time, interoperability was about technology. It was about radios and computers talking to this and that and so forth. Mm-hmm. And we latched on to that and said, no, in the real world of serving the public safety, interoperability is about relationships. It's about us as individuals relating to ourselves to start with, then relating to some other folks, and then relating to the bigger community as a whole. And that's transformational in that process. Yes, there's a transaction that occurs. You know, public safety officers, take a police officer as an example, their primary goal is to maintain safety for, for all involved. And it may start off in a transactional manner, but ultimately the intent is is, is it for to transform that interaction mm-hmm. into one where dialogue's occurring and everybody's safe. It's not intended to be just strictly a transactional process. Ipsy's approach is to is to try to broaden people's perspectives and broaden their ideas. Um, and in our case, we do so philosophically, if you will, by utilizing humanities instead mm-hmm. of just pure academic research. We bring in the humanities and we and we get people to start thinking about things differently, and mm-hmm. and that begins the transformation. I'll, I'll let Joe chime in on on what he thinks. Yes, Joe, go ahead. Well, I yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with Kevin. Um, you know, it, it it is it's it's about you know interoperability is about communicating with other folks, and I think the main point there is that you know for far too long it it, it appears to me anyway in, in my I would say short duration career um, that that the silo effect has happened in and mm-hmm. amongst the public service uh, community. And part of what Ipsy is trying to break down is that silo effect and to get folks to understand that mm-hmm. it's, it's about taking action and it's about um, you know, getting to work and getting to know other folks and what, what we can do as a com- uh, collective whole rather than as mm-hmm. an individual service provider or an individual agency. And I like the notion of looking at public safety in its entirety, as opposed to looking at police separate from fire, separate from EMS, separate from prison, separate from every component, because ultimately all of them coming together in a very synchronized manner is what creates the safety in a community and people then learn to trust the people who are providing that service and ultimately trust the government they have elected to serve their interest in a democracy, right? So I see the larger thrust here that bringing that collaborative culture and shared journey approach to the profession, then turn around and embrace the community into that shared journey, and then we truly have a mechanism to start somewhere positive. Yeah, it, it goes back again to the, the concept of dialogue. <clears throat> you know, having people be able to sit down and have a genuine conversation with another mm-hmm. person. Um, and I, I look at I, I look at this as a little uh, bit of a chuckle, if you will, in that mm-hmm. as we as we had a technological failure here early on in the show, mm-hmm. and and I think it points out one of the things that we have been striving is that the Ipsy approach to to helping individuals develop and helping organizations develop is is to do so face to face, is is to mm-hmm. do so. Um, without total reliance on technology, put people in a room together and generate dialogue, face-to-face, human-to-human. Mm-hmm. Um, and the power of that is phenomenal. Yes. People can yeah. can just sit across from each other with very different perspectives and, and, and try to <sighs> embrace the concept of, I'm, I'm going to advocate for my position, but it's just as important in the amount of advocacy that I do that I pursue inquiry, that I learn what that other mm-hmm. person's perspective is. Um, and Excellent that's where we point. get into learning mm-hmm. about each other. In public safety, again, I think the safety for the community as a whole comes from when we, we learn to have that dialogue, when we learn to mm-hmm. balance ourselves uh, between what my personal need is 
versus mm-hmm. what's the personal need of the other person I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there in front of. Mm-hmm. Perfect um, that, segue for us to go to break and come back to pick this conversation up. Great. Hold that thought and an excellent point. We will build on that, Kevin. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. If you are looking for an outstanding keynote speaker, look no further than Dr. Cass Henry. Cass is available to speak to your company. She also offers organizational leadership development seminars and workshops. These seminars can integrate learning and development, customer service, processes, and financial growth. Positive, motivated employees care about their customers and work products. Visit CassHenry.com or follow Dr. Cass Henry on Facebook. That's KASHenry.com for more information. Organizational training does not have to be a difficult job. Visit Dr. Cass Henry's site to find out more about her organizational training curriculum development and global organizational training webinars. These informative webinars cover leadership development, career path and succession planning, financial performance improvement and change management, and corporate finance. For more information, please visit CassHenry.com and follow Cass Henry on Facebook. That's K-A-S-Henry.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Listening to Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks How to Get It Just Right. To reach Dr. Cass Henry or her guest today, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to drcasshenry at hotmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the show. Joining Kevin from the Ipsley organization and me to continue our conversation on public safety stewardship. Kevin, as we went for break, you were talking about the importance of an authentic dialogue between people and the importance of leaving devices aside and looking people in the eye and having that conversation because it's harder to say the harsh things people say when they are having electronic conversations because there is really no person. And there are, we seem to have lost the need for a filter. Whereas when you're face-to-face, the reality of human interaction just smacks you in, in between your eyes. Oh, yes. It's, it's so important. You know, we've become such an electronically dependent world that it, it, it creates a barrier. Uh, mm-hmm. to having that opportunity to have true, genuine interaction in, in so many cases. You and I are having a wonderful conversation. A significant part of that is because you and I have had a face-to-face conversation. We've yes. seen mm-hmm. each other. We've talked to each other personally. Uh, we've mm-hmm. had a chance to explore those passions. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fully aware, and Ipsy's fully aware, that the power of technology to spreading the word, and, mm-hmm. that, and that's very good. But ultimately, you have to bring folks together. Yes. Uh, to, to to learn uh, from each other and learn what's going on, <clears throat> and if I may, to, to you know, to give mm-hmm. a quick example, this past uh, May I had an opportunity to attend a course, uh, a week long course uh, at the Kennedy School for Government at Harvard, mm-hmm. and I was so excited when I saw the roster. There was fifty two of us there, for which more than half of the folks were outside the United States. And through that process, then you get to explore areas and thoughts and processes. These are all people who were 
who were engaged in the leadership development from throughout the world. Mm-hmm. So two things that come into play. One is you find out uh, all the things that, that are out there that are different than what you know. And uh-huh. two, it also gets to emphasize all the things out there that are so common amongst all of us, regardless of where you live in the world. And, and that's the same thing that occurs within public safety. Um, public safety is the folks are engaged in public safety. The majority of them truly are genuinely interested in doing the right thing for the people that they serve. Um, <clears throat> sometimes culturally that comes into, comes into an issue by culturally, meaning within the public safety culture itself. Um, and then that oftentimes then causes friction within the cultures of the community. And the best way to get around that is to give people the skill sets that they can see things in a much more global perspective and they can see things from the other person's, individual person's perspective. So it goes to the idea, again, where technology is a wonderful thing, but it has significant limitations when it comes to humanity. And, and Ipsley's goal is to get folks in the, in the classroom from all these different industries Again, corrections and all of the things that that incorporates, probation officers, parole officers, EMS folks, fire folks, rescue folks, police officers who not only serve a a city, but perhaps a county or perhaps they're a forest ranger or so forth. You bring them into the classroom at the same time and you talk about the challenges that each of them face and what we find is that oftentimes there are a few nuances that are specific to a given career. But for the most part, the leadership challenges that they face are the same. And that's not unlike our communities. So the more Ipsy can generate skill sets within its students to talk about differences from an inquiry perspective, we look at it saying then we're, what we're doing is we're giving our folks um, – a skill set that they can go out in the community and have that same perspective. So I am taking a page from the business cultural dimension world, and I want to bring some thought here to continue the conversation we are having. Now, the gender approach to cultural dimension is about looking at certain cultures as masculinity cultures and certain cultures as femininity cultures. It is not a gender-based role, but it is the essence of what those cultures are. Masculinity roles are very outcome-driven. It's about winning and it's about getting things done now, results-oriented and outcome-oriented, whereas femininity professions are about nurturing and life-affirming and sustaining. I bring this up because when we look at the spectrum of public safety professionals. There are those who fall into the femininity aspect of the profession who are firefighters, EMS professionals, and then there are those who fall into the masculinity profession who are police officers, correctional officers, and there is a clear psychological difference in the way the two approach their profession and how the society perceives them. And uh, that is further highlighted by everything we see in the media. We don't hear about EMS professionals and firefighters getting involved in half the heinous things that we hear police officers and correctional officers are getting involved in. So where does that cultural masculinity, femininity type approach to life affirming versus I just need to get my results and how can Ipsley bring the two together because ultimately we're all serving the same humanity? Well, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a great way to try to describe, but I, at the same time, I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, use a very broad brush because I've seen police officers, and having served as a police officer for three years, I, I've seen individuals who have been very caring, very nurturing in order to accomplish Definitely. what they needed to accomplish. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I've seen firefighters and EMS folks who have been on, on power trips. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a mix and, and mix and match in there. But generally, you are correct in the sense that those that tend to, to have that masculine approach, 
police officers oftentimes have to do so for their own safety. They have to show, um, uh, I'll call it strength or power, if you mm-hmm. would, um, mm-hmm. in order for their own safety. Um, mm-hmm. However, putting past that, the, the inner core of that particular officer, as an example, may not be anything like that. It may be the facade that they have to put on at the mm-hmm. moment to try to bring some resemblance of control to oftentimes chaotic events mm-hmm. um, in there. Ipsley's role, I think, in this case is to get folks to explore all of that and, and to look at different um, thoughts and ideas that say, this might be where I would uh, behave in this manner, and this mm-hmm. might be a situation I behave in this manner. And to say that's a repertoire of skills that are in there that are, that they have available to them. Hopefully, the idea being is that they can read the situation and mm-hmm. then apply the appropriate skill for that given situation. Um, and I think Ipsy does that not only by uh, the fact that we we insist on a face to face classroom, but that we we also explore things through different perspectives. As an example, again, we go back to the humanities, and Mm -hmm. we look at some of the ancient writings. We look at Plato, as an example, and look at the dialogue process that Plato uses. Uh, We we go into, we look at the, the message Martin Luther King was sending. How was he sending that? To what audience was he sending that? How did he change his tone when he was changing audiences. Uh, it's a, the, the, I Have a Dream speech is a classic example of an individual who can read a situation and deliver mm-hmm. a message to a multitude of perspectives, yet the message is the same. And it was basically the whole idea that we, as humanity, needs to come together. We need to mm-hmm. talk. We need to respect um, the person first and then and delve into looking at the perspective. I don't care what color, creed, religion you are, a dad is a dad, a mom is a mom. Mm-hmm. And, and we, need to, we need to focus on that. Um, and that's what we hope in the Ipsy program by turning around and, and telling folks, you know what, we're after you as the individual. We want you as the individual to become better in your life through the development of these skill sets. Because leadership, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier, Cass, so leadership is, is for life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a job title. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a position description. It is actions based upon beliefs. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we try to instill, instill in folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we try to get folks to... Uh, recognize that and the power of that um, and, and how ultimately through their own recognition and their own application of it and those things that are genuinely important to them, i.e. Mm-hmm. their family, their community, their, their community activities, when they come on to the job, mm-hmm. they get on a fire engine, they get in a police car, they start walking the chairs of a prison, that sense of humanity that they gained uh, mm-hmm. outside that job Mm-hmm. transforms them in the job that they're doing for the public. Yes, and that is such an important lesson, not just public safety professionals. I think everybody should learn. I think, and I know this from <clears throat> working both in the public and the private sector professionally, that people forget leadership is not something I can give myself. I can't wake up and say, I'm Cass Henry and I'm a leader. No, it's a privilege other people give us every day by choosing to follow us. And people are not going to follow us unless they trust us, they believe in us, and they know that we are authentic in what we are saying and what we are doing. And that is the lesson that is being lost. And I am so glad to hear the integration of the philosophy and the humanities and make folks go and look at uh, conversations and dialogues from so many different cultures across so many eras, which ultimately shows that humanity hasn't changed. Our struggles at the very core are still the same. Very much so. You know, Kaz, it, 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 something that you just mentioned there, it made me flash on one of the things that we do in the FCA program is we have a very fun, it's a short little activity, uh, not even an activity, mm-hmm. it's more of a dialogue, that ultimately produces a product. 
And that is, is we talk about the concept of individuals and the idea of a leader and what that means and where does that really come from. And we ask people to, to put into their mindset for a moment those individuals in their lives, we don't say their professions, but in their lives, who they believe from their understanding of what they think leadership is, or the, I should say what they believe to be their philosophy of leadership, who are those folks? Put it, And we ask them, put them in your mind, picture them. And then the simple thing is interesting is to say, okay, how many of you have, if, if you're really looking at this, how many of you have 10 or more? And very few people will raise their hands. Mm-hmm. Say, so how many of you have between six and nine? And you might get a hand, you know, a few more hands come up. Ultimately, what happens is, is you get down to it, and what we find time and time again, this is across the country, and this is not only in the public safety sector. I do this same thing in a university class that I teach for your good mm-hmm. old genuine college student. Mm-hmm. And when they start to really focus on it and think, who has really exercised leadership for me? The numbers are very small. Very small, less than very, a handful. Very, very small. Mm-hmm. And, and then we turn around and we, and we, it, we call it a leader card exercise. And, and, mm-hmm. and we actually provide them a card. And one side it says leader. But on the other side we say if you turn around mm-hmm. and you flip the card over, the emphasis on the fact that I may have handed you this mark, my card. So Kaz, I hand you my leader card, meaning you are providing leadership to me. But when you turn it over, it says, I hereby present you with this card to be my leader with all the rights and responsibilities thereof. This card can be revoked at any time. Mm-hmm. And the emphasis is, is that leadership is not about one action. It's, it's about a, a multitude of actions across the lifetime. Actions, yes. Uh, Excellent and, point. And, Oh, my God, Kevin, we have talked through for a whole hour here. Thank you so much for joining the show. It has been a pleasure and a very, very timely conversation. Appreciate you and Ipsley showing uh, up and having this important dialogue. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. And I truly appreciate the audience joining us for another interesting and meaningful conversation. As you go out there and make your life count and make your changes, remember every human interaction is an opportunity for our transformation. So let's go out there and transform lives, starting with your own. Have a beautiful week. Thank you for tuning in to Unleash Your Hidden Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Please join Dr. Cass Henry again next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another edition of the program. We'll see you then.